Click, listen, enjoy. Broadcasting live worldwide. Thank you for tuning in to Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. You're listening to Talkline with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. Welcome back to the program, Mom. Zev Brenner. It's been a number of months since we last had Sam Louder with us, a public affairs professional. He has over 30 years of experience in local, state, and national politics. He began his career by working for Senator Joe Biden as his personal assistant. He co-founded BMWL and Partners in 2000. And he has lots of clients, including Google and the University of California. He's from San Francisco. He's very active in the Jewish community. He's also a member of the board of directors of the Democratic Majority for Israel. And he knows both uh, President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris very well. So thank you for, for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me back. When I, la- when I last had you on, did you ever think that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris would win their bid for the White House? Oh, I, w- I was sure they were going to win. I was, I was all in and, and positive. I didn't actually expect Georgia, but I expected the other states that they won to go that, that way. Um, I'm glad Georgia obviously got added to the mix. But yeah, I was, I was confident. I was confident because of who Joe Biden is, because I think people wanted someone, as proven out in the vote, that wanted someone who was empathetic, who showed they cared, uh, and was was looking to heal a nation that's very much hurting, and uh, and that was that's Joe Biden. Do you now? There's been speculation on talk radio. He mentioned about unity, but at the same time, they're talking about an impeachment trial of Donald Trump. Can you have both? Because if there is going to be an impeachment trial, it's going to stir passions of those that supported Donald Trump. So, how do you get to have that unity, in your opinion? Yeah. I, that's I, I understand the question. Um, that's a that's a difficult one. I'm not sure. We're not going to get unified soon. I, I'm I don't mean to be Pollyannish that all of a sudden Joe Biden's there and we're all going to be unified. There's a lot of people who are hurting that uh, that their candidate didn't win. There were a lot of Americans and next door neighbors and family members. 74 million plus of them that voted for Donald Trump. Uh, and and that's, that's a serious, impressive number. Um, so, so unity is going to be a tough place to get. As far as the impeachment trial is concerned, you know, there are those of us who believe that, that there's a reason to have one. Uh, January 6th was a very dark day in this country's history. And there is an argument to be made from words that came out of his mouth that the now former president played a role in it that was critical. Uh, and and there's a, a strong argument to be made that you want, one needs to face their consequences of, of such a drastic, uh, a drastic act. So 
Well, the two things. The number I one, I, I understand the dilemma, Zev. I don't know that I have an answer. Yeah, no, just on that point, and I won't be belabor it, but according to Professor Alan Dershowitz, uh, whatever the president said was in the First Amendment rights. Uh, so, therefore, that's one issue. He doesn't think you can impeach somebody who's not president. But the bigger question, though, is if you're looking to heal and if you look at, you know, governments where you had to turn over and after wars where they didn't go after people uh, for a variety of of what they did wrong just for the sake of unity. So based on the fact that they were legally protected in the First Amendment and based on the fact that you want to unify, so wouldn't it be better from a PR point of view to just let's go ahead and not look backwards where it's a question where you even have a legal case um, to, to go after? Well, let's just, I'm going to dispute you on one thing. Uh, there's no fact that he had First Amendment rights. That's an argument being made by an attorney. Um, however, the, uh, you know, the President Biden hasn't said, let's go forward with impeachment. He's not the one who's doing it. It's, it is up to the United States Senate at this point to continue the process. Um, or, although I guess the House still plays a role in that they have to send the articles of impeachment over to the Senate, which I don't believe they've done yet. So, uh, you, you know, I think there's, I think there's a lot of people that are stuck between a, a rock and a hard place because there needs to be legal answers to what happened. That was an insurrection on January 6th. The people who who invaded the Capitol building were destructive, who murdered a police officer, another one died. They're hooligans. They're thugs. And, and, you know, there's there's people who strongly believe that that, uh, the former president played a real role in it. And there's others who say, no, he didn't. And, and and so that's what you find out in in a Senate version of a trial. Well, we'll see how it all plays out, because there's even yeah. a, there's another question is, can you impeach somebody who's not present? The law says about impeaching the president. That's somebody who's been a past president. And based on that precedent, if they do, they can bring Obama or or Bush or anybody they want you know, down the road and say, hey, we can impeach somebody out of out of office. So it's a slippery slope. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know the legal answer to that. Not an attorney and don't know <laughs> uh, the legal answer to that. However, I don't know if we can find any uh, time in the eight years of President Obama or eight years of President Bush where they spoke in front of a crowd and, and said the things that, that President Trump said. So it, it's, it, I don't know how slippery a slope you get because he he was a unique character in the Oval Office, one that we had never seen before, and good chance we're not going to see again. Believe me. So let's let's go to your personal relationship. You, when you were a young man, you were a personal assistant to now the president, Joe Biden. I know you like to hear that sound, the president, Joe Biden. So tell us about your relationship, yeah. what it was like, and what you learned about him during that period of time. Well, I... It, I ended up being spending more time with him, and I was just with him for a year um, because when he dropped out of the presidential race, the 88 presidential race, I had learned a long time prior that uh, Washington, D.C. wasn't really the place I wanted to be. If he had stayed in the presidential race and won and gone to the White House, I would not have passed up the opportunity to stay. But once he wasn't in the race anymore, I, I can't, wanted to come home to San Francisco. But in that year, I spent probably spent more time with him than anyone other than his his wife uh, and children. 
And because I had to be by his side all the time, now, that didn't mean that I was engaged in conversation with him all the time. I'd sometimes be sitting in the office in, the, in a meeting just waiting for my next orders. But uh, we did spend a lot of one-on-one -on -one time. And in that time, uh, just the two of us, you know, we, talked, we talked about a lot of things. Um, but uh, some of the subjects that we always came around to were family, uh, his, his devotion to his and, and my devotion to mine. And it was very similar in nature the way we felt about our parents and our grandparents and, and our siblings. I was too young at that point to have met my wife and had children, but it was it, the way we felt about family was, was identical. And we often talked about Israel because at that point I was already a devoted and active Zionist. Um, he wanted to know why I had chosen to take time off from college to go live on a kibbutz. He wanted to know out of all the things that I could choose for a graduation present from college, why I chose to spend my summer before coming to work for him in Israel. Um, he wanted to know all those things. And he would tell me about what he learned at his parents' kitchen table uh, at the dinner table to talking about his, his father often talked about the, the Holocaust and about the miracle of Israel and the importance and necessity of Israel. I want to put, he's, and, he, you say that his, his father spoke to Joe Biden about the Holocaust and Israel. Yeah, that was, the, those were topics at the, at the dinner table. They, they, they always talked about events, current events, um, were, were part of who they were as a family. And what kind of impression did that make on Joe Biden? And, the, and his father really considered Israel to be a miracle and a necessity. Wow. Um, and then, of course, he, he would tell me the stories that we've all heard because he really likes telling good stories over and over again. But I heard about his first trip meeting Golda Meir and Yitzhak Rabin uh, was in that meeting. And and uh, what I you out, your question was what I learned about him what it was more of what uh verifying what i thought i already knew which was this guy is a genuinely good human being uh and specific to the things that i care about a genuine friend of israel um i learned more than that too because we had conversations that ranged all over the place including a lot of conversations about music uh, I like to say that I taught him about music. I don't know if I get full credit for it, but did you I certainly the, taught him about a lot of music. Did you introduce him to Jewish music? No, I wasn't so much into Jewish music at the time. At the time, I was really uh, dedicated. Still, I, this hasn't changed my musical taste. They've just expanded. But uh, a lot of Grateful Dead, a lot of Bob Marley, and a lot of the Beatles, and a lot of music that was current in the mid-'80s. We're speaking with Sam Ladder. He is a public affairs professional. He was, for a year, uh, then-Senator Joe Biden's personal assistant. And of course, uh, he's now the president of the United States. He's a founder of BMWL Partners. We'll continue our conversation right after these messages. Don't go away. Stay tuned. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
Please become a fan of Talk Line with Zeb Brenner on Facebook, LinkedIn, Google Plus, and YouTube on Twitter at TalkLine Network. If you have an Android phone, please download our free app in the Google Store. For iPhones, download the Jewish Radio app. Of course, tune in 24 hours a day at TalkLineCommunications.com for nonstop Jewish broadcasting. Talkline Radio and TV with Zeb Brenner is just phenomenal. Everybody concerned about the Jewish community should listen and watch. He has the best guests. He asks the most interesting questions. He's always so well prepared. It's talk radio and television from a Jewish point of view at its very best. To advertise on the Talkline Network and Talkline's email and social media blasts reaching over 70,000 people, please call 212-769-1925, extension 100. That's 212-769-1925, extension 100. Or email info at talklinenetwork.com. Welcome back to the program. Mom is Ever Brenner. Sam Lauder is with us, public affairs professional, over 30 years' experience in local, state, and national politics. In his younger days, he serves as Senator Joe Biden's personal assistant. He's a co-founder of BMWL Professional Media Group. Among his clients are Google. So... We're talking about, of course, the, the culmination of you worked with uh, Senator Joe Biden and currently the President of the United States, right now President Joe Biden. And I, so how do you view relationships with Israel? Because you are a strong supporter of Israel, and everybody seems to agree that Donald Trump, whatever people think about him and his personality, was one of the best friends Israel had in the White House. So how do you think it's going to contrast with a President Joe Biden, especially when you're looking at Iran, where Iran is probably going to be back into a nuclear agreement again? Um, so just so people aren't mistaken, because someone listening here probably rightly assumes that I am a partisan Democrat and a big fan of Joe Biden, I agree that Donald Trump was a wonderful friend of Israel. Absolutely. The, the uh, Abraham Accords... You know, normalizing relationships with those four countries, unbelievable achievement. Finally moving the embassy to Jerusalem, I will always be appreciative, always be appreciative of that. Um, I, Joe Biden is going to also be a great friend of Israel. Now, people may differ on what that means, though. I, let's, let's not, I, I have friends who are passionate supporters of keeping all of Judea and Samaria uh, as part of, of Israel. And I, I personally hope that someday Israel has a partner in Palestinian leadership, which will allow for two states. I am not naive. I don't believe we are there at the moment. I certainly am not someone who ignores the fact that the Palestinians have turned down a lot of really good offers, um, and without even countering, uh, but, you know, people are going to have to decide if someone who believes like I do is a, is a real friend of Israel or not. Um, and, and that's Joe, who Joe Biden is. He, he does not agree with the settlement movement um, and, and does believe that there needs to be a Palestinian state someday. He is also very quick to say and said it very many times on there's a there's a. I'm not going to even mention the name of this group because I really don't care for them, but there's a young group of, of activists who are fighting against the occupation in the United States, and they confronted uh, candidates, all the candidates early on in the election with 
you know, shotgun questions about the occupation and, and their opinion. And if you see the, the video of Joe Biden responding to it, to this very young and, and know-it-all kid who kept trying to confront him in a way that was totally obnoxious. But he was very clear that, hey, Palestinians, they need to step up. Um, and that's what we're going to get. As far as the JCPOA, you know, I, I spent uh, 20 plus years uh, working with the APAC community as part of the APAC community, fighting for sanctions so we could get to a deal. Uh, the sanctions we tried on, in pres with President Clinton, we tried with President Bush. Sanctions didn't get put in place till President Obama. Um, I fought this deal, the JCPOA, I fought because I didn't think it was a good deal. It needed to be better. Uh, and, and, but I'm not opposed to a deal. And I don't think any of us should be opposed to a deal. The alternative is either a nuclear Iran or we bomb it to, you know, to oblivion, which is not exactly a great option in my mind um, either. Uh, so I'd like a deal. I think if anybody listens to what uh, the Secretary of State designate uh, said in his hearing the other day about what needs to happen with the deal, if anybody listens to what Joe Biden said on the campaign trail about what he needs to see in a new deal, then as a community, unless you're for one of the other options, uh, I think we should be supportive. Except that, uh, let's put that the deal was the way it was under the Obama presidency. One, was, more, one was, more point, though, sure. I'm sorry, but one more point. It is incumbent upon our community to make sure we fight for the aspects that we need in that deal. No, because the deal, the way it was constituted during the Obama years, was a terrible deal, including giving money and hundreds of millions of dollars, which they used for terrorism. I think now they're facing well, sanctions. Freeing they're freeing up their money. Freeing up, it was their money, yeah. And they but used it. Was a the, terrible deal. Yeah. Terrible deal. No and, question. And it's proven to be terrible. So I'm glad but, to hear you say that because, you know, you seem to be a moderate where you're acknowledging what needs to be acknowledged. And I think that's a breath of fresh air because we live in an age sometimes where for political correctness, where people have to toe a party line and they don't deviate. I'm glad to see that you're more nuanced. I, I flew into D.C. on my dime during all the lobbying sessions against it. I led, uh, I led uh, groups to a couple of members of the United States Senate knowing full well that they were going to be with the deal and no matter what I said, uh, they weren't, but they needed to hear it. They needed to hear, and I went in detail, these are the reasons why we think it's a bad deal. And all the reasons that, that the APAC community laid out as to why it was a bad deal have all proven true. Um, it was a bad deal. But Biden has said there are things he needs in it go beyond what that deal was. Uh, and and it was arguably, one can argue that it was the start of a good deal. There were parts of it that were good. It ju They just weren't enough. And we need to make it enough. Well, hopefully things will be better this time around, I guess. Uh, it's a little early to tell. In the few moments yes. that we have left remaining, are you still in touch with uh, President Joe Biden? Have you spoken to him since uh, the election? I have not spoken with him since the election. Uh, he's been a little busy. <laughs> Only a little busy. Okay. He can't make time for he can't make time for his friend Sam. 
Say again. Sam, he, I'm he, sorry. he can't make time for his good friend, Sam. You know, I, it's a good question. I don't understand that. Um, eh, perhaps because I'm not one of those who sits there demanding my phone call. Uh, I, I do hope to be in touch with him. I, I, I am going to be very disappointed if I'm not on the invitation list to the Hanukkah party where I could say hi. People but, making reservations are ready for the Hanukkah. That's the biggest event of the year, by hey, the way, as an aside. And this is a, absolutely. A t- I need to go back to that Hanukkah party. I, I, that's, that's having gone to, it's boring. Having gone to Obama and Trump, I have to tell you something very fascinating that I want to go to Kamala Harris is that I asked people who hated Donald Trump. And I asked him a hypothetical question. If you got an invitation mm-hmm. to the Trump Hanukkah party, would you go? And the majority, despite their hatred, would have gone. So I assume it works uh, all, always, too. But not to really think about Hanukkah. You have relationship- if you asked me that hypothetical question, the, question, the answer would be no. I you would, would never have gone. But I know plenty of people who didn't like Trump, hated him with a passion, would have gone. And I and I, when I went to the Obama White House Hanukkah party, we saw somebody who didn't like Obama. And my wife asked, "Like, what are you doing here?" He goes, "A party is a party." So, true story. True story. True hey, story. An invitation to the White House—that's that's a unique and special moment. So, Kamala Harris, you you know her too. You're in San Francisco, yep. so tell us about her. A mamala. I know she likes calling being called mamala. So tell us more about her. What should we know? That is that is an affectionate nickname. Her her uh, her, I think that she calls them her bonus children, her stepchildren. We gave her. Um, listen, I, what, what do you want to know about her? She is she is terrific. She and I have been friends for over twenty five years. We met through San Francisco politics, uh, which you know I'm I'm engaged professionally, and she's engaged as an elected official and and an activist at one point. Uh, she took her first trip to Israel with the Jewish Community Relations Council here in San Francisco. Our JCRC is a very prominent organization, uh, very important in our community. And they, they take up-and-coming leaders to uh, Israel, you know, obviously this past year is an exception, but every year. And she went on one of those trips, uh, and, and it impacted her. She was already a friend of the community. She already you know, understood our passions as well as anybody who hadn't been to Israel and doesn't personally identify with it can, but that trip to Israel really impacted her um, to the point where her husband, he had never been, despite being a identified proud Jew, he had never been to Israel. And she insisted that he go with her uh, so he, she can show him her Israel. That's how she put it. I'm going to show you my Israel. Uh, and she went. They went, and some of the local, um, national, local and national leadership from here, from our community, from here, uh, uh, set things up for her. They had an amazing time. He, he fell in love with it. Uh, she is, she is a genuine friend. And again, I do understand, listen, I have a lot of friends on the other side of the aisle who disagree with the tactical approaches. I have a dear friend who lives in a town in Judea that he knows I fully believe should be part of a Palestinian state. That land should be part of a Palestinian state someday if we can ever get to a place where it is possible to have partners on the other side. But that doesn't halt our friendship at all. He just disagrees with 
what I believe is the best thing for a safe, secure, democratic Jewish state of Israel. And, and so we disagree. That's what happens sometimes. But if one can understand that one can be a friend and have varying opinions on how best to protect the Jewish state of Israel, um, then you can't help but acknowledge that Kamala is, oh, I shouldn't say that now. She's the vice president. I'm sorry. I'm going to go, I'm going to be formal. The vice president is, is a, is a dear friend of our community. There's just no question. Even though from what you're saying, and I know you said the president uh, views Judea and Samaria as occupied territory, and I would assume that the vice president has the same opinion. Yeah, I've never heard her say the word occupied. I use occupation because all of my Israeli friends... I, I don't like the word. I think I, I, I think it's if you want to be neutral, it would be administered territory, and the right would say yeah. liberated territory. But the fact is, though, you see a difference because the Trump White House viewed Judea and Samaria as part of Israel, and now we're back yeah. to where it's not considered part of Israel by the new administration. That's unsettling after the first day. This is a new change on facts on the ground. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna wordsmith. I'm not gonna play around with that, but it's that, that's, uh, that language has never bothered me. I've never cared if someone calls it Judea and Samaria, the West Bank occupied territory, administrative territory. It doesn't matter. The reality is, is that there are a lot of Palestinians there who have legitimate claims to where they live. There are a lot of Jews there who have, legitimate and longer claims to where they live. At some point, the peoples have to figure out how to live together. And it's very, what's very important to me is that the peoples that live there figure out how to live together. My role is going to be making sure that Israel has the back in the United States to do what it needs to do to be secure. That's well, the role that I see myself playing. If someone wants to call it occupied or administrative, I, I don't really, I, I don't care. They're words to me. What matters to me are the actions taken. And as long as the action taken is is as a friend of Israel, then I'm I'm good. I think words, unfortunately, do matter. And if you call something occupied, you tend to look at it differently than if you call it by a different name. So I think that's they, the lesson, right, of the last four years, not, words matter? They definitely, and I'm not going to deny that, they look at it differently. They look at it as an area that they would like to see be, be part of a Palestinian state someday. And they never However, they also, hmm? they also are not like some other people in elected office who, for some reason, don't think that the Palestinians have any blame here. You know, there are some people who either because, because they don't like Israel or because, frankly, it's latent racism, that they don't think the Palestinians have the wherewithal to to do what's right. I, I, I've never understood this attitude that that allows the Palestinians off the hook. It's like to me, to me, that's just racist. Um, but 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 this White House understands that they may not think that the current prime minister of Israel wants two states, but they know that there have been generous offers. And then they know that this prime minister has actually tried to get to the table. He's the he only one that gave territory there. away. But, but Bibi Netanyahu is the only one that gave away parts of Hebron uh, to the Palestinians. He's the only one that's given away actual territory. None of the other prime ministers in labor have done that. So uh, Right. And, and he, 
let's remember that he said yes to a 10-month settlement freeze. He may not have been happy about it, but he said yes to it. And and Abbas wouldn't come to the table. They never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. In the words of Abiban. A few moments left. Yeah, I know that I know that a lot of people like to quote part of a statement that Obama made years and years ago, which was uh, no one has suffered more than the Palestinians. But the entire quote is no one has suffered more than the Palestinians at the hands of the Palestinian government. And mm -hmm. and there's an argument to be made there (laughs) that the Palestinian government has really made their people suffer. No question. The corruption and how much they've stolen. Look at Yasser Arafat's widow, how many billions of dollars she has, which is really taken from her people. No question about that. But the problem is, is that people, that President Obama had a much different attitude towards Israel in his new book. I think it's come out. So I guess you is, I would say that you say President Biden is coming from a different place than President Obama when it comes to Israel? Uh, absolutely. There's absolutely a different way of viewing things. Uh, and if you listen to Dennis Ross, Dennis Ross, who was always the person who pushed back against certain policies uh, that that the uh, that the Obama administration implemented with regards to Israel, um, said that every time he pushed back, Joe Biden had his back. Now, at the end of the day, Joe Biden was going to follow the lead of his boss because that's the kind of person Joe Biden is. Is that you know okay? The decision's now been made, and I'm going to move forward with the decision my boss has made. Um, but it's a different boss. All you had to do is listen to Anthony Blinken and Anthony Blinken in his in his testimony the other day, as as people tried to trap him, he made it really clear the embassy's not going anywhere. He made it really clear that the JCPOA is a starting point, and that's not where they're going to end up with the deal. Of course. Like I said earlier, our community is going to have to advocate and make sure. We have to be on, we have to be on top it. of it, for sure. Yeah. We have yeah. a moment left. Uh, You're also one, so, among your clients are Google. So there's big talk about big tech and censoring and too much power. What do you think about that? Well, that's over my pay grade. I do, uh, <laughs> local, I do local government work for them in the Bay Area. Um, and I really, I'm not versed enough to say anything other than to sound like a know-it-all and not really know anything. I'm nominating, um, I'm nominating you for the United Nations diplomat status immediately. <laughs> anyway, so. Thank you. I, I, uh, I accept your nomination. That'd be a lot of fun to, it's, if our community thinks Nikki Haley was a good nominee to the UN, they should hear what I'd be saying. All right. I was sitting in the- <laughs> <laughs> I, I, is there any possibility we can get you some diplomatic posts in the Biden administration or some posts of maybe in charge of the Hanukkah party or a Jewish liaison? Well, they have, do they have a Jewish liaison yet? They will have a Jewish liaison. And I am of, uh, I am hoping if he is willing to take it that the, the textbook mensch that was the Jewish liaison for the campaign, Aaron Keok. Oh, he's terrific. Guy. Wonderful young man. Yes. Wonderful guy. I hope, I hope it is offered to him, and I hope if it is offered to him that he takes it. He does have a successful business, and he does have a young family and may not want to go in the White House. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not predicting anything. I'm not telling you any, giving you any insight. I'm just telling you who I think would be a wonderful person in that role. Um, and, and as far as your question is concerned, 
listen, if, if the president of the United States calls you and asks you to do something, it's you have to take that request seriously. At the very least, I hope that you were in charge of the Hanukkah party of the White House. <laughs> I just want to go. I don't want to be in charge of it. You're kidding me. You're no fun. If you're in charge of it, it's no fun. That's the truth. I spoke if to Tevi Troy, who was yeah. in charge of the Hanukkah party, and he was Jewish liaison in the Bush White House. It wasn't fun because everybody was trying to get into the party, and you have to navigate it. So it's not a lot of fun, at least uh, running the party. Anyway. Yeah, I just, I just want to go, and I want to make sure that uh, they they extend me four invitations not just two for my wife and me, because my kids are clamoring to join. And you should go to both parties, and the lamb chops are terrific. <laughs> As everybody talks about the, the lamb chops. That's all I hear. I've heard people. about the lamb chops. Sam Louder, a professional in public affairs over 30 years, and in his younger days he was Senator Joe Biden's personal assistant. He's now the president. He's very close with Kamala Harris, so he knows both of them very, very well. Thank you for sharing some of your insight. We look forward to having you back. Thank you. I look forward to coming back. And we're going to be right back. Don't go away. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is David Gabe, and you're listening to The Zev Brenner Show. Talk line radio and TV with Zeb Brenner is just phenomenal. Everybody concerned about the Jewish community should listen and watch. He has the best guests. He asks the most interesting questions. He's always so well prepared. It's talk radio and television from a Jewish point of view at its very best. Enjoyed this episode? Talkline Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community.